Criterion creeps are coming with Jared and RJ from Renoir to Kurosawa and everything along the way. Highbrow, lowbrow, they won't stop until the This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're headed back to the front line of the Eastern Front as we watch Spine 148 in the Criterion Collection, Gregory Chukray's Ballad of a Soldier from 1959. But first, RJ, I can't believe it's been a week. Are you saying that like you couldn't wait for it or it came too fast. I'll let you decide. <laughs> yeah, this is a, uh, a prison we have created for ourselves where uh, whether you want to or not, Wednesday's always just around the corner, man. My God. It's, al- it's always there. Yeah, uh, honestly, Lee, I put together most of my notes here uh, this morning. and uh, When I realized, I'm like, oh, my God, it's Wednesday. It's a good thing I watched this movie because, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's like the week just passes with life things, and you're just like, oh, by God, uh, <laughs> where, where, where did I? Oh, good, I'm covered. Whew. But here we are. Yes, here we are. How are uh, things? Another week, another shit. What? What do you mean? How are things? Things Spo- are fine. Things are swell. Yeah, I'm back in that old school thing. Seems okay. We're alone. Just the two of us. Yeah, it's weird now not having a a fellow comrade. Yeah. To uh, allude to our movie later, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Russia. Those Russians. Yeah. Anything, yeah, it's alone. Yeah. What do you? What? Do do anything? Do anything special? What this week? Yeah. Not really. No. I just dropped a big one. If you know <laughs> what I mean. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I wish my life was more interesting, but I haven't really done anything this week. I, uh, start of a new semester, you know, got to do all that stuff. Yeah. All that fun stuff. I've, uh, finally started to like unpack some of my like desk stuff. Cause after moving in, I wasn't really worried about anything involving my office space. So, mm. uh, I jumped on that and, uh, I don't know, did, did a little bit of drawing. I haven't done that for like a, a while. So... I, oh. So I, f- I feel like this podcast can serve as a uh, yeah <laughs> a collection of uh, these. I feel like you do this once in a while. Every once in You'd a while. you be like, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing. I'm, I'm drawing, and then I stop. And then it's a, yeah, it's a mm-hmm. long, it's a circle of failure, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that actually is kind of the tagline, I think, of uh, the pod. A circle of failure? Yeah. That's pretty pretty accurate, I would I, say. I, I would say so, yeah. Yeah, that's like that's well, on our, that'll be on our letterbox, our tagline of of this film, a circle of failure. Failure, but it's only a half circle, like the Criterion Circle. Yeah, you see, three, three, because we three, three quarters. We're, we didn't we're even both, get halfway through failing. We're the full fail. The full fail. A zero, a nothing, if you will. As you can tell, where it's a new year, and neither of you, neither you or nor I, have anything to talk about. Yeah, you hitting the gym with your New Year's resolutions, bud. Mm, no. 
You just go to Arby's a lot, bud? <laughs> I wish. Yeah, I do too. People give Arby's a bad rap, but you know what? I'm here to say, I think Arby's is okay. Yep. Come on, have yourself a baked potato with some but- uh, butter on that. <laughs> only a chud would get a baked potato at Arby's. Just go whole hog. Get the curly fries. Do it. Like hey, an animal. If you're listening and you feel like Jarrett should stop ordering that baked potato when we go to Arby's, yeah, I, email I, I, him. I have a sandwich as well. It's not a sandwich. It's uh, a potato. Yeah, but he doesn't get that hot, gooey, melted, processed cheese on his uh, beef and ched. He just gets the beef. So I feel it's. Uh, are you even? Are you even living, man? Enjoy Arby's. Be like me. Much like this podcast, my body and life are a prison as well. Yeah, it's true. Hey, RJ. What? We got emails. Emails? Like a whole bunch? Uh, One brief and then one long. Uh, First up, we got Oliver with a brief email here. Just emailing in quick, listening to the In the Mood for Love episode, and wanted to say Frank was great on the pod. Definitely inspiring me to have a go. Well, that's nice to hear. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I think that was uh, old Frank's intention, was it not? I to, think so. Uh, spur uh, something, some kind of light in uh, these longtime fans. Uh, yeah, Frank was great, and uh, yeah, Oliver would be nice too. I think he, Oliver, and Josh are the longest running uh, emailers of the show. I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. Any, but hey, anyone can hop on. We're 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 nice. Yeah, we're nice. You could, like, come on the show. Like, if you pick an episode that I don't want you to be on, I'll just tell you to yeah. your face yeah. through the internet. Yeah. That's how Patreon stuff works, right? I think so. <laughs> I'm pretty picky. You know. And then yeah. Frank emailed in Ooh. with a subject header. I'm taking a break. Uh-oh. <gasps> From what? Uh, Well, let's find out. Jarrett, RJ, mm-hmm. how's it hanging? I know it hasn't been a full week since we recorded, but boy, did it go by fast. Uh, for the other fans of the show, those who have only known you guys by the sound of your voices, I'd like to give some compliment-infused descriptions of our hosts. Oh, no. <laughs> Jarrett has really good hair. It's partially mm. hidden underneath his headset, but from what I saw, it rivals Tom Cruise and maybe even Brad Dourif's great mane. Also, debatable. he has very expressive eyes. When you talk to uh. him, you can tell what his response will be by the shine in his eyes. Sounds strange, but it's true. I bet all mm-hmm. this will sound fake because Jarrett will be reading it. So I'm going to compliment RJ now, which Jarrett mm-hmm. would never do on his own. That's true. If only the listeners at home were graced by RJ's sparkling smile. Aww. One of my favorite responses to one of my own emails happens to be when uh, we addressed awesomeness's vape pen. And now mm-hmm. I have successfully created the image of RJ leaning back in his chair, clapping. That perfect grin. Oh, and he's not fat at all, as he and Jared have led you all to believe. <laughs> I live in America. I know what fat looks like. Well, that is refreshing to hear someone not put me down for once. <laughs> the the hate and vitriol that pours out of Jared's mouth. <laughs> Uh, it's it's nice to hear. I do think he made up his lines about uh, <laughs> whatever nice things uh, Frank allegedly said about Jared, but. Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes uh, when I did hear that vape pen story, I did raise my hands and just complete and utter, like, I don't even know how to describe that feeling. It was euphoria. <laughs> I felt great. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, that's very nice to hear. Very kind words from Frank, as always. 
Uh, and then Frank continues. Well, now about the episode recorded, I want to start by saying I'm very grateful for it. You guys were kind and very professional, and you even liked the movie, which is a plus. I will say, though, I wish I'd done better. I want to apologize mm-hmm. to everyone for my fluctuating tone of voice in the beginning of the episode, where the end of every sentence, for some inexplicable reason, I would raise my pitch. It sounds annoying. I was nervous, and I didn't realize I was doing it. If nobody noticed, well then, I just drew attention to it, and now you all will. I admit I'm not a very good public speaker. I often have too many ideas bouncing around, and I tend to jumble them up when I try to get them out there. Either way, I'm very glad I did it. I have a good, I had a good time, and it was a learning experience. I was very out of my element, but both of you guys did a wonderful job of making me feel comfortable. So that by the time we got to the Criterion Review, my tone was mostly normal. Uh, so my review of being on the podcast is an A+. It's a quality show with quality hosts. My review of my own performance is a C+. Needs improvement. Mm. Um, I think he's being a little hard. Uh, you're being a little I, hard I, on I, yourself. I, 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 I think so. I think you're being a little harsh yeah. there. Uh, yeah, I heard from a, another friend of mine, a listener of the show, that, and he said that you did quite well, and it was mm-hmm. fine. So uh, I think I remember when, in the early days when we were recording uh, the days of the podcast, uh, during mm-hmm. the summer, listening back to it and being like, mm, maybe I should like work on things and my voice and work on modulation and all that garbage. But you know what? I just got over it because who gives a shit? That's that is long been my uh, my stance on everything that we do. Even though like I get hung up on the smallest things and I bring them up frequently, mm-hmm. uh, the big picture is yeah, who gives a shit? I think you were great, Frank. I don't think you got to be worried about it at all. Yeah. So fuck them. Fuck it. Uh, I rewatched In the Mood for Love, and here's some points that I wish I would have brought up instead of repeating, I don't know, at the end of every sentence. The Mm. fact that we never see the unfaithful spouses implies their absence in the main character's lives, I think. Mm. Throughout Mm -hmm. the whole movie, there's only one quick pan. When Maggie asks Tony about his tie during the uh, the first restaurant scene and reflects how unexpected it is that she asked, is this the turning point? Had she remained silent, would the relationship have grown further than polite nods? I think it's a a genius move from Chris Doyle. During the practice confession scene, the camera fools you into believing that Tony is Mr. Chen by being placed behind him. Did it get you? It got me. Damn you, Doyle. Uh, mm. I think that, yeah, I, I know exactly the moment he's talking about. And yes, it does mm-hmm. work. Yeah. Uh, did you guys also notice how the rain always brings them together? This is a recurring theme in a mm. lot of his movies. Mm-hmm. I did notice and I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was nice. Also, I figured out that the soap opera sound is probably the scene where Mrs. Uh, Chow cries in the shower. But fuck that review. Uh, mm. That's in reference to the one of those uh, who hated this movies. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm officially done talking about in the mood. I'm also officially taking a break from emailing in. For about two Uh-oh. months straight, I've emailed in, and I think it's time to tone it down. I'll keep on listening to the greatest podcast of all time, but I'll email in less frequently. I'll be using this time to practice my speech and tone so that for the next episode mm-hmm. I co-host, I won't sound so annoying, if only to myself. Wow, this is by far my longest email. Sorry, Jarrett. I hope you have some water or whiskey nearby. And well, <gasps> keep it creeping. This is just a temporary farewell to the show, and I'll probably get back to you guys soon to make preparations for the next co-host episode. Good night, creeps. I'll be back. Dun, dun, dun. Leaves us in such a hot, hot spot. Yeah. When will he come back? Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. This is this is building in some good uh, suspense for uh, listeners out there. That's right. Yeah, but yeah, I think you're being a little hard on yourself, Frank. I thought you did a good job, so don't worry about yep. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you 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 were not a a weirdo chump. So. That's... Well, I uh, I did ask Jarrett to screen uh, not just you, but any potential patreon people before to make sure that they wouldn't come on and yell at me 
So uh, it worked out okay. And I asked Jarrett before, I said, is he going to yell at me and call me mean stuff like you do? And Jarrett said, no, I don't think so. So uh, we checked you out and you looked good to us. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, yeah, as always, thanks all for emails. Thanks, Frank, again. Um, hey, RJ. Hmm. What you, what you been creeping on this week? Who, me? Yeah, you, RJ. Uh, a few things. Uh, I dipped my toes in some new modern horror. You did. Uh, so I have a couple movies from Net- last year. All like Netflix horror. Almost. Almost all Netflix horror. Uh, however, uh, well, just two of them, actually. Oh. And then the other two uh, had theatrical releases. Oh. Mm-hmm. Guess which ones were good and which ones were bad. The answer might surprise you. Oh, yeah, I guess it might. Uh, so I'll just go in order, I guess. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yep. So uh, you talked about The Ritual a while mm-hmm. ago. Uh, I was holding out because I had this book and I had been putting it off for a really long time. And I was like, I know I'm going to like it, like the movie. I know I'm going to like the book. And I just didn't get around to it. But over that Christmas break, I uh, put some time aside and I was like, you know what? I'm going to read that ritual book since that movie's so hot to trot. So I read the book uh, and then I watched the movie. And I can confirm that uh, the movie is quite good, as uh, Jarrett and some other people have said. I've noticed that this movie is a little divisive. A little people bit. Are, yeah, people... A lot of people don't seem to like it, which is fine. But uh, when I get to other movies later, I think the ritual does does like what it's supposed to so much more efficiently and effectively than all these other movies I'm going to talk about. Uh, this is this is the one that uh, is easily the best out of the whole bunch that I watched. So good good place to start, set the bar up high, and then just start piling shit on all the ones that I watched afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so I'm in a unique spot uh, because I have read the book, uh, and it actually kind of, there were a few parts in the movie where I was like, hmm. It's like, I understand why they changed it. I, I almost liked it better in the book. Uh, and then there were a few things in the movie where I was like, mm, I'm glad that they changed that because I it wasn't something I was huge on in uh, the book. So... I don't know how much you want to talk about the movie, uh, but I was just gonna—I was gonna fill you in on some some little comparisons. So the sure. movie starts with uh, one of five friends being uh, murdered in a convenience store, and the other one of the f- other friends is witness to this. And then from there, they and, go. And the on. important thing is that like he doesn't act to like. He doesn't. Yeah, he yeah. watches. And he kind of cowers in fear because he's yeah. he's scared. Even uh, even though there's like the possibility that if he had tried to help, he could be dead too. Like, yeah. but yeah, yeah. So th- there is like the play for that, and uh, I think that's one thing that this movie did really well is they kind of show what his like how he deals with that like trauma and the grief and guilt basically. And then I think what they do really well is how they show the other people's point of views where two of the friends blame him for it. The other guy takes a more neutral stance where he's like, I don't, he's like, I probably would have done the same thing. I can't really say. Uh, so I kind of liked the interplay with that, uh, that Jarrett never happened in the book. None of that. Hmm. So there was no fifth character at all. Uh, so the reason in this movie is they're talking about having like a boys trip and they're all pitching out their ideas. And uh, the guy who gets killed, his idea was to go on a hiking trip in um, Switzerland or 
Norway. I, I, I always just like to throw it Scandinavia. 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 <laughs> yeah. One of the north northern European like yeah. hilly places. Not only did I just read this book, but I just watched this movie, and I can't even remember which country they go to. So doesn't racist. matter. Such a racist. Doesn't matter. It doesn't uh, matter. So in the movie, it was uh, his idea, and then once he's dead, they're like, "All right, let's go on this hiking camping trip." The and then they go. They have a little tribute to the guy that they lost, and then the annoying. Uh, fat character falls and like break, uh, twists his knee and stuff and then he's hobbling the whole time. The book starts right there. So the book picks up. They're already on this trip. This fat guy has already fallen over and like hurt his ankle or his knee and they're like trying to find a faster way out of the forest because they're like, well, this this fat piece of shit guy, he's, uh, he's slowing us down. So let's try to find a, a faster way through. So that's where the book starts, actually. And then there's, I would say, for the next, like, up into when you get introduced to new characters, that's all the same pretty well. Where it's them traveling through, you get introduced to the mysterious monster that is stalking them. Uh, you have the fat guy being kind of annoying and shitty. In the book, there's more interplay about, like, the re- the reason there's tension is the the main guy like the lead he had had sex with the fat guy's wife like years before they were married and it was hmm. like a point of contention for the group and so like i saw a lot of people complaining about how this movie fit into boxes where it's like a group of four two of them are closer than the other two and it's like why are they friends and it's like i get it but I feel like that does happen. Like there's people that I've had to hang out with before and I don't particularly like them, oh, yeah. but you, you you do it either to appease the group as a whole. Or like if you're, if you are better friends with one of the group, you go to be with that guy and then just, yeah. you have to bring along that, like that fourth annoying guy. So yeah, that's that to me is I like very, that's, that's a very true thing. Like that's like, I mean, I've, uh, it's happened. I've been either in those situations kind of, or like no of them. And you're kind of like, why are they friends with these people? But it's like, mm-hmm. and they're not maybe your group friend, but you know that that is a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's kind of like the differences there. Uh, the one thing that's the same in both the book and the movie, which I think is one of the, like the best parts of the movie is when they first camp out in the abandoned house yep. and uh, they find the relic uh, the tribute, the spiritual thing that they pray to. Uh, and then they all go to sleep and then they all wake up in different places and they're confused. Uh, that part is so good. I think it's so effective. Uh, it's a little bit more built up in the book. Like there's more artifacts of like not paganism, but like spiritual occult stuff throughout the house and like not just one thing up in the, in the room, but I think in the book, it's better that you're given a little bit more. And I think in the movie, it's better that you're not given that much. And it's like, a little bit more subtler. Speaking as a person who hasn't read the book, but like based on yep. what you're describing, why I think it would be improvement is because if it's just one thing, mm-hmm. the idea that they'd stay in the house at all makes more sense. But if there's so yep. much, it just becomes ridiculous visually. It'd be like, come mm-hmm. on, get out of there. But if it's yep. like one thing, it's all you need. But if it's like, well, there's five things it's kind of like laying it on too thick and like yeah it's all about like editing and like kind of like hey pick and choose our production so like sometimes the novel has to elaborate because mm-hmm. it has to build more tension whereas visually it's like well you don't have to deliver as much information because it's already in front of your eyes yeah exactly so like i think uh for each medium they go the right right 
route. Yeah. So uh, the guy who wrote this actually, his name's Adam Neville. Uh, I really liked his writing style, which is something I'll talk about later where it, not everyone is a good writer. I actually th- uh, really enjoyed his writing style. It was really is really easy and casual to read, but he did. You could you could tell he's a smart guy because of the way he writes, but he doesn't like flaunt it either. So it it doesn't come off try hard. Uh, it comes off like a guy who is knows how to write well enough to make you feel like you're just casually reading, like talking to someone. So, um, anyways, you like I think that? He, you like that prose? I do like that prose, baby. I like it. Uh, so that part is really cool. Uh, and then the only other thing that's a little different here, and I think maybe it's, it could have been the way I was reading it. I think the actual monster is a little different. So, uh, this is one thing that I think even people who didn't like this movie can agree on the creature design is like spectacular. Mm -hmm. Uh, that thing is so, uh, I don't, I don't even know. Like it's, it's such a unique and. I don't want to say like creepy or unsettling because I don't like describing stuff like that, but it is so unique and different uh, that I, I think it's really appealing. Like as a horror fan to see something like that, you're like, wow, you're like what a cool, like new creature. Just when you thought they couldn't make anything else, they're all the, the Freddy Kruegers. You see uh, the well, mutter or uh, a quiet place bird box thing. Oh, <laughs> fuck, I'll get to those. So yeah, exactly. This is a this is a good reason why I started with this one. Um so yeah, I think the monster in this is awesome. Uh in the book it was kind of more like it was more goat-ish and it was like, like cuz there was caribou-y. there was Yeah, well, yeah, not like a caribou. It was more of like a straight up goat and there was more goat play. So here's here's the thing and this is all I'll say, but I want to gauge your reaction on this cuz uh, this is where the third act is completely different in the book and the movie. Okay. And I don't know if you would like the third act in the book. You're, you're either going to think it's a really good idea or you're going to think it's total shit. Okay. So in the movie, they come across like an actual cult. In the book, they... Yeah, and, well, the, not and, and, the, and, and the cult is made up of people who have like stumbled across this particular wood and have been mm-hmm. basically forced into worshiping this thing but in exchange you basically live forever or as long you your life is prolonged and then you're like even alive when you're a skeleton <laughs> yeah yeah so there there's like that and uh, like some of the imagery in this stuff is too like i really like the uh like the uh i, I don't know how to say it like the jury of the damned up uh yeah. like that's a, a simpsons thing but the all the like skeleton skeleton yep. upstairs and then even the way that the bodies are presented up in the trees uh they talk about that in the book too like i think it was a little bit more splayed out in the book but the i think that's awesome like the visual there okay so in the book jared he gets in he gets discovered by uh, a group of teens and they're like norwegian black metal musicians okay and they like they're like Satanists, but they like they praise Odin and they're they're making sacrifice so that their music can be like and like the whole time the guy who is like captured, he's like, you guys are like fucking nuts. He's like, I don't know what you are, you're expecting to do here. It's like, just let me go. And it's kind of like played off, played up more like huh. it's like, was there something out there? But he knows there was something out there. So it's not like a okay. okay it's not played up like, was there something out there? He just knows like they all saw it before he even encounters these black metalist people. But uh, it's more like that. And then it kind of goes in a different way. 
So okay. I, I was actually I did kind of like the movie's version of it better. Uh, in the book, it plays fine. Like it, I didn't find it like off-putting or anything like that. Like when I was reading it, I was just like, "Yep, okay, this is where we're going now." So it wasn't like weird or anything like that. But you, uh, so how how was it when you watched the movie? Were you kind of like, "When did the black metal guys show up?" That 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 was what I was thinking. Like so, when they do get encountered to the thing, I was like, "Oh, here come the black metal." Uh, it's like Loki and some other guy, and <laughs> is they're the, like, is that yeah. van in the book, like the the like the hippie van, like the Volkswagen mm-hmm. thing, like when they find not that? Really? No, it's not. Yeah, I would imagine that. Would, it, that's, that'd be like the only one would need that yeah. for the movie version. It, like it could have been. I don't remember. Like they do, in, they do encounter like, uh, like a tribal, not a tribal, like a sacrifice area where it's like old stones with markings on them and stuff like that. But I don't really remember a van, right? But yeah, so it goes. Uh, it goes to the black metal route, which uh, is a little different than <laughs> uh, what you see here. So, anyways, uh, yeah, the ritual. It's really good. Uh, I really like the book, and I really like the movie. As I predicted. Yes, as you predicted. It's good because I don't know. I don't think there's much to dislike about this movie. I think it's pretty no. pretty good. I'd say so, it's. I mean, I I don't know. Of last year, I think it's the the best horror movie. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know. So I see like the common complaint is everyone's like, Oh, it's just the descent with men. And I'm like, I don't really, I don't know. It's been a while oh. since I've seen the descent, but I don't really understand the comparison there. Yeah. Well, they're all uh, in the, they're in an environment, I guess, but it's very, yeah, but that's like, that's like, very like superficial. So many, yeah, yeah. That's, that's like tons of stuff. So I don't really understand yeah. that there's, argument. There's, but. there's other movies that like. There's even like a movie called Rituals that it's closer to, and it has not, mm-hmm. like, it's a completely different movie. It's a Canadian like uh, yeah. horror in that the woods. That one. Yeah. And, yeah, we talked about that on Ghoul School five or six, I believe. Yeah, and it's just like that's it's closer to that than whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, you want to hear about a horror in the woods movie that fucking blows? Yeah. Blair Witch, baby. <laughs> By uh, Ad, Adam Shithard. Hey, uh, you you liked uh, The Guest. You remember yeah, I the, do like The Guest. <laughs> and uh, your next is pretty good, too. You know what aren't good movies? Everything else he's ever done. Yeah. Did, well, have you, uh, have you, did, did you watch Death Note? No, because it looks fucking horrible. <laughs> uh, and I'm so bummed out that this is the man that they got to do Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. Uh, after. Hey, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. A lot of yeah. things can happen. So uh, I know you're a big fan of the Blair Witch. Uh, oh, I'm a big fan of the Blair Witch Project. The Blair Witch Project, yes, yeah. I should clarify. Uh, so this is like a reboot in a sense where it's kind of like a direct sequel to the first one. So they're they're kind of ignoring Book of Shadows, but uh, you've never mm. even seen Book of Shadows, so you're I watched just five, a chud. I've, I've seen five minutes of it. You've seen five minutes of it. Uh, so this one picks up, and it's like this really complicated like reason for them to get out there some guy's watching youtube and he's like look at this video that's my sister she went missing 20 years ago let's go to the like the blackwoods forest or whatever it's called and let's find that chick so him and all his chud friends get like all the drones that they have (laughs) and uh they contact like some tour guides that like this guy and girl with like lip rings and like purple hair and they're like the blair witch is real man like I don't know, like just exactly what you would picture. And they go out and they get taken out into the woods. And then it's basically what you would expect. <laughs> like, okay, so they there's like, it all plays out. 
like the first night it's like oh was that a sound let's go check and then those blur witch like uh stick twig things are just like everywhere and they're like oh no it's the blair witch and then they like try to leave but then they get the one good thing the one kind of cool thing about this is they do play around with like uh like the temporal aspect of it a little bit where it's like they get stuck in time kind of where you and cross like one character goes off on his own and then he comes back later and uh he's like how long he's like how long have you been here and they're like you you just left like an hour ago and he's like i've been walking for like four days so like they try to like play around with that and one time i actually did like it in this movie was they're actually in the blair witch cabin and uh like one character walks up a flight of stairs and then down in uh, a hallway and then they're at the bottom of the stairs again and they walk up and then like it's just cyclical like it goes kind of forever yeah i thought that was kind of cool um so there's like parts like that that are kind of cool and there was one like death scene in this that i thought was really cool because it's kind of like out of nowhere and you're just like whoa uh but the only problem is you can't fucking see it because this is like the most shaky epileptic like strobe fucking movie uh like found footage stuff so all these kids have earpieces with uh, cameras on them and it cuts between them so that's how they do the found footage is it cuts between like their their point of view back and forth but it does it so ran or like so rapidly Mm. that it's really hard to kind of follow and then mixed in you like you cut to the drone footage they're flying drones over the woods and then like the drone gets stuck in a tree so one one girl goes up to get the drone out of the tree and it's like what like why because they're already trying to escape and she's like there's the drone i could maybe i should go get it but she has like a broken leg and she's already trying to run away. It's like, why did you climb up the tree <laughs> you, to get yeah, the get, drone? Or get the one with the broken leg to climb up the tree to get the drone. I think the idea is like, she's like, I can use the drone to find a way out of here. But it's like, you know, that's not going to work. Like, just keep going. What are you, what are you doing? Uh, um, man. And then there's, there's like some stuff too. Like sad. Cause this movie, like, just like the whole idea of Blair Witch being lost in the woods and like, mm-hmm like time loops and oh it's just like it sounds so appealing but then you know the execution is going to be just ugh. yeah exactly and like that's, so why- that's what i mean there are parts that are actually cool like i liked the the maze where it's cyclical and they get lost in it i thought that was really cool and there was two parts where they show like a i think they show a blair witch and i actually really liked it one girl like looks in the trees and there's like just a naked body that like goes back behind a tree. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Show more of that. But then later it cuts to like this giant CGI fucking monster that's walking through a house. And you're just like, what is that? You're like, where did that come from? Mm. Bizarre, Jared. Mm. You should check out uh, that Yellow Brick Road movie I watched that around the I same will. time as The Ritual. It's sure. like not as good as The Ritual, but it's got some really good elements. And it's probably better than... This Blair Witch movie, which is too bad. Yeah, it's too bad. There's uh, some cool parts, but uh, I don't know. I don't really like this Adam Wingard guy. I think he's full horse well, shit. And this is writer, too, because he had the same writer on yeah. this and, like, other stuff. Lee, whatever his name is. Well, he's got to cut that guy loose, baby. Ah, but he's hit and miss. Like, that's the thing. It's, it's these mm. these dudes. They just, they're, they're no consistency. Mm. Hit and miss. Okay. Uh, what do you want to hear about next? The Quiet Place or Bird Box? Uh, hit me chronologically. So hit me with that Quiet Place. All right, so I watched A Quiet Place, which was last year's horror darling. Well, this, uh, this, hereditary this and, and hereditary, yeah. yeah. These were the ones that made but, all the biggest splashes. Yeah, this, well, it's, well, Quiet Place was 2017's It. 
kind of. Like, yeah. it, it was like a studio movie, and it like did really well in box office. It was like, or actually, it was kind of like the Get Out, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like I don't know, I I never saw this movie. I had no interest in it, but everyone mm-hmm. went to it except for me and you and me. And uh, all I know is that Chanel got this out from the library, watched it on her own, and she mm-hmm. was just like, meh. And I was like, well, uh, that's not good because her and I have pretty similar tastes when it comes to horror. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and that was kind of like because I've talked about Bird Box before and I plan to watch Bird Box this weekend. And just by chance, A Quiet Place was on Netflix. So I was like, well, how do you do? I'll check it out too. But yeah, I wasn't that interested in it. And I remember when it came out, like there's a lot of comparisons to Bird Box. And I get it. They're like sensory-based monsters but this one scooped it. Like this one came out a little bit better. But I got news for you, Jarrett. A Quiet Place is a huge piece of shit. Uh, and it's not just me. Andy thought it was shit too. Uh, and she watches a lot of stuff with me. And she's like, you know what? I didn't really like A Quiet Place. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. So the other big reason people are so uh, I, hot I, I, on this I like this, this confirmation bias here. I like it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so... The big reason I think people like this so much is because it's John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. And they're like, hey, they're big time actors. Sexy people. Yeah. What are they doing in a horror movie directed by John Krasinski? I see a lot of people, too, saying, like, what a great debut. It's, but this, is, it, this isn't the first movie he made. He made other movies. <laughs> yep. So I don't know. So people don't even look up at their stuff. Okay, so people quiet- call that. Hey, remember when uh, what's her ass uh, Greta Gerwig her uh, great debut of Lady oh, Bird, and then it's like, well, no, she that's not her debut. She made something else, but we'll just ignore that mm-hmm. because facts. Well, we Andrew and I watched his first movie, The Hollers, which was like that rom com thing I talked about on the show like a while ago. That wasn't very good. So. This movie is about monsters uh, that find you by sound. So everything is set up to be very quiet. Uh, the stuff I'll start with that I kind of like, but also is the reason that makes the movie so frustrating as a whole, is uh, he's, I think he's a good director. And he may, like, he's competent and he has some really well shot scenes and well directed stuff like I like how some of this movie is presented. There are some really nice scenes where based on either what's happening in the plot uh, or like it's an action piece. Like there's a scene of him running with some fireworks and it just like looks really nice. There are some really nice, well-made things. But then the rest of the movie is like so contradictory to all of that where it's like just sloppy horror movie cliche stuff that I was like, why? I was like, how did anyone like this fucking thing? Other than the fact that it's got two like super beautiful people in it. So the monsters, Jared, like they try to establish early on the rules of this world. Mm -hmm. So like you just get dropped in when they're basically like the last people alive already. And, uh, it shows like how they've adapted to not make sounds like they all do sign language because one of their daughters was hearing impaired already. So they all knew how to sign. That's how they communicate. They also have trails of sand from their house to seemingly miles away to like in the town. So they have like this big sand pile where that's where they walk barefoot because I guess that's quieter than just walking on concrete. I guess your skin doesn't slap down on that asphalt. Uh, And then like they do stuff so it's like whenever there's a sound, the monster will come. 
Uh, this movie does what I think I won't spoil it, but it's it's kind of like laughable that it happens in the first five minutes because it's just like it's like, ooh, see, we told you this was serious. And it's it's goofy. Um, I'll tell you off air because I don't want to spoil it for anyone else. But uh, so like they set up these rules, but then they abandon them immediately where there's like they make fucking noise all the time. <laughs> Like all the fucking time, Jared. Like there, there's a scene where uh, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt are actually talking to each other, and you're just like, and they're listening with like earpods or like uh, headphones in, and you're just like, that's all, that's real loud, you guys. Like, what is the point of this movie where there's like no noise, but then you're talking to each other, and then there's like other noises, like people are moving around and shit, and you're like, that's really loud. That's way louder than like <laughs> if you were just walking fucking barefoot. So it's like kind of like goofy like that. And then there's like there's there's even more inconsistencies and like things that are just like, it's like what were you what were you gonna do like so this whole big movie Jarrett is like the big kicker is that she's pregnant so they're like oh my god how are you gonna have a baby in this quiet place world uh, and you get eaten. exactly yeah, yeah so like they they kind of like they try to show it's like we thought of that they have like this sound insulated uh wicker or this like box lined with like newspaper and like straw and then a little. It, they have a tank of oxygen and a little gas mask so that they can put the baby once it's born into this box so sound won't come out. And you're just like, okay, come on. You're like, is that really like, I don't know. I find like it shows them go to the, like the very first scene is them at a pharmacy. It's like, you couldn't pick up some condoms, dude, like, or all the birth control. That shit doesn't go bad. Like, and it's like, oh yeah, well life happens. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, you couldn't have did anything else. And then there's other really frustrating scenes where – so there's this whole thing about, like, the smallest sound, Jared. I, I just want to uh, correct RJ. Yeah. Uh, condoms do – can go bad. I said birth control. Birth control. Uh, the pills. Maybe they have that, a longer shelf they, life. They, well, they do expire. So don't get your sex education from a podcast host on a hey, film hey, hey, show. Hey, hey, hey. I'm just saying here, if there's ever an apocalypse, just get all that plan B. You're going to be fine. Well, who's going to repopulate the earth with little mutants, huh? Well, you can't. You can't make a sound, Jarrett. Well, it depends, uh, it depends on the circumstance of why the extinction happened, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. So, so like, there is this huge emphasis, and it's like, you can't make a sound. You can't even fucking smack your lips because those fucking oh, things will be really? on you. It's that's like how it's played up is like you can't make a fucking like don't even breathe. See, why do they even set up themselves that much? Because then they're just gonna like look stupid when they like break so, their own rules. That's... You want to hear when they look stupid consistently through this movie yeah, well, where they break yeah. their rules? Because like there's a scene when John Krasinski takes his son to uh, a river where they like they catch fish. And uh, John, uh, the kid's like terrified to be away from his house because why wouldn't you? It would be scary. And then he takes him there and John Krasinski's like, hey, hey, son. And the kid's like, he's like, holy shit, you can't talk. And he's like, it's okay. He's like, if there's, we're by the river, the river's louder. If there's a louder noise, the monsters go towards the louder noise. And it's like, so why isn't your fucking house on the river? Like that doesn't, or like go find somewhere to be like to be near more noise. Yeah. And they even show that even more when they go to a waterfall and John Krasinski is yelling to show his son how safe it is. He's like, ah, ah. And then it's like a playful moment. It's like, look, you can just go under the waterfall and you can talk. And it's like, 
you've never shown this like 15 year or like this 12 year old kid that there are safe places and it, and at the how, same how many, time how many years are we into the uh the quiet place apocalypse a year and a half oh, okay so it starts on day 89 and then it jumps to day like 480 or something like yeah. that but it's like if he knew about this why like why not live near there it's like oh you can't make a house and it's like yeah i know i don't like find a place near a place like that or something. So there's things like that. And I think this movie tries really hard to tie up all these loose ends where you're like, well, why did they do this? And then there is like kind of a half explanation for it where you'll see something and you'll be like, oh, there's an error. Like, why didn't they explain that? And then in the next scene, they'll be like, well, we did that because of this. And it's like, hmm. So like they kind of, they try to catch all of these things. And I think they do a good job. I just had a problem with their explanation in a lot of these things where I was just like, that's, it's not how people think. That's the problem with high concepts. Sometimes it's like, you, you, you get to like do so much, uh, just to keep mixing metaphors. It's like juggling get Like, Hey, let's throw another thing on there. Come on. Let's yeah. show off a little bit more. Oh, there's a reason we'll explain it. But it's just like, no, but why don't you just stop juggling and like get a yep. real job? Quit bothering everybody, your, you know, buy a horse, move to the mountains. Yeah, exactly. And then there's like other things too. Like, you're introduced like John Krasinski kills some animals in this, which I thought was annoying. You're introduced <laughs> to these super fat raccoons and they're like making noise and then they get killed immediately. And it's like, well, how was that fucking raccoon alive for yeah. an entire year without making a noise? Yeah. Like that doesn't make sense. John, uh, John, John, G- Jim. Uh, and then there's like, okay. So the one thing that really annoyed me is that they're talking like this entire movie, like, and then at the end, a character sacrifices themselves to save someone else by like shouting out. And it like it doesn't mean anything. It has no emotional weight to it. Spoilers. It, I already know it. It's Jim. Yeah. So but it has <laughs> no emotional weight to it at all because it's like, yeah, but we've heard him talk so much. Yeah. If the entire movie, if he if they, there was no dialogue at all. That would have probably been really powerful. Are you saying you didn't cry like everybody else says they they cried? No, it's pathetic. <laughs> uh, because and like the thing too, like I kind of get it. Like the other thing that really ruined this movie for me was the the sound, like the score. There's music throughout this entire movie, and I found it really distracting because I was like, you know how cool this movie would have been if they had just totally went for the gimmick, where it was like it was a dead silent movie. And all you heard was these people's feet fucking padding around. And I get it. You can't like it's a major theater released movie. They can't like do that. I understand. But like if they were going for that ending, it would have been so much more powerful if the, if that's what the whole movie was. It was like literally quiet. And then you had that noise at the end. But no, they talked the whole movie. And then his sacrifice means nothing. Uh, so there's that. And I don't know. Uh, I did see a friend of the show, Frank Solano mentioned that he thought the monsters were laughable and yes, they are laughable. They're kind of dumb. They're just like, they're like humanoid aliens with longer limbs, but, uh, their, their heads explode kind of so they can hear stuff better. And then they come back together. It's, it's like goofy. I I don't know. And, uh, Jerry, I bet you can't count on your hand how many times they do the shush sound like they put their finger up to their mouth like shh there's so much of that he even encounters like a drifter guy who's like crazy and starts yelling and he's like he puts his hand up to his face in the weirdest way like his nose gets all bent and he's like shh you're like what are you doing dude like act normal 
So, anyways, A Quiet Place sucks. How's, I thought it was quite bad. And how's Bird Box? Uh, this might shock you, Jared. Bird Box isn't isn't total horseshit. <laughs> I thought Bird Box was okay. Man. Uh, so see, that's that's the the flip side because I've been here. Oh man, that movie is getting getting dumped mm-hmm. on hard. Okay. I have uh, I have some hot takes for you on this. So I've mentioned this book many times, and even when they mm-hmm. announced this movie, I was like, I don't really know how this is going to be a movie. I hated this fucking book so so much because it was one of those Reddit darling books yep. that got promoted on every single thread, and it still does. It gets talked about all the fucking time. Bird Box, uh, Pen Pal, like Headful of Ghosts. Headful of Ghosts was fine, but Bird Box sucks because uh, the guy Josh Mallerman who wrote this, like he writes books, but he's also like the lead singer of a a band or something. And, uh, his writing style made me so fucking mad. It was like really short sentences. It would be like, he looked period. Head full of ghosts is the reality TV exorcism. Yeah. That's that Paul Tremblay one. And like that one, that one's actually, I like, I liked how that was written. Are you going to read that, uh, cabin at the end of the world book? Yeah, I will. Cause, uh, head full of ghosts. Like I, I actually really liked the way that was written and I read it in like a day because it was actually really entertaining. I just thought the story was like at the end of it, you're like, Oh, like nothing happened. You're like, so what was, what was the point of this book? Like, it's kind of like one of those. You're like, Oh, that's, that's kind of lame. But that movie is going to be Netflixed by our friend Oz Perkins, I believe. So I am excited for that because I think he can uh, maybe do some nifty work on that. Uh, Bird Box. Uh, It sucks because the guy's trying to be Hemingway, but he uses like one word sentences for a 300 page book. And you're just like, fuck you. You're not very good at writing. So Bird Box, you see the monster, you go crazy. Um, This movie, it's... I think it's better than A Quiet Place. Like, I still didn't really like it. Uh, and I, I'm super biased because I hate the book. Uh, there's, like, some things that are okay in it. But uh, I would say there are people who are, like, kind of big on this movie and A Quiet Place. But I'm I'm going to hit you with some hard facts here, Jared. Anyone who likes Bird Box or A Quiet Place but shits on Cell by Stephen King they're complete fucking hypocrites because <laughs> there's no way you can give either of these two new movies a pass and then you shit on sell because you know what, Jared? They are the exact same fucking movies. All three of them. Well, does I don't know if anything's got quite as uh anything as amazing as that like final scene of like the oh man, that that final like 5 minutes of sell are pretty or hor- pretty horrendous. Hey, sell sell is not like sell's got a lot of bad stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. These are both like way better made movies and sell. But my point is at the heart of it, all three of these are the same movie. Well, yeah, they I mean, are. that's the thing, right? It's like that the happening always gets brought up in regards to Bird yep. Box too. And it's like this sort of like these mass extinction ideas. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like I've had these, I, I have like ideas that are like very similar to this, but now I'm like, well, I would never pursue any of them now because it's been done to death. And it seems like, I guess it's like, impossible to do it well and like the expectations mm-hmm. are just gonna be like you're like the worst garbage maker of all time yep and uh, yeah exactly i don't know it's it's too bad because like i think there's a reason why it's appealing to make these stories this idea of like being the survivor being the last mm-hmm. one around but um i don't know yeah it's and it's it's pretty much the same stuff like i i don't even really need to talk about bird box that much but i think they tried to 
stack this up because like with Sandra Bullock and John Malkovich and I'm pretty sure Sandra Bullock like bought the rights to this book and like so that's why she's in it uh I think the real star is Trevante Rhodes the uh the adult version uh from Moonlight uh he's in this and he's really good Hmm. but in this movie too like there's stuff that happens and you're just like why is that happening and then there were things with like the monster that like I thought were inconsistent and like I could be wrong but I think in the book like the monster is just there and you never know if it's there or not. That's why you wear the blindfold in the movie. The monster like moves around and like moves stuff and talks to people. And it's like, Hey, why don't you take your blindfold off? It's uh, it's your pal from uh, junior high. It's Jim. You remember me? I'm your, I'm Jim, your pal from junior high. Why don't you take your blindfold off? Uh... And then it's like Sandra Bullock. She's like, no, you're not really Jim. You're a, you're a monster. And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm just uh, your pal, Jim. From junior high so <laughs> you know what that reminds me of is uh uh last man on earth uh, with vincent price because there's like uh whatever it is like yeah warren open the door it's like his next door neighbor who's like a mutant <laughs> zombie vampire and he's just like always banging at the house he's like open yeah. the door <laughs> and yeah I, I, that's what that just sounds like to him like oh yeah that that's kind of what it felt like so i thought that was like super goofy and i'm like oh come on uh this movie also like has the audacity I use that word a lot for this descriptor, but to be over two hours long. Oh, the uh, worst. And like, there's a lot of fluff stuff too. It's like, you could have cut out so much of this shit. Um, I think a lot of people like say it's good because there's this emotional baggage about like kids and it's fine. But at the same time, whatever. Uh, The thing that I actually thought the thing I liked best about this movie, Jer, there's a scene when they're on the river and their boat is going down some rapids and we were watching it. And uh, the sound design took this really unique thing where it was kind of like this loop. It was like, and I was like, man, this is tense. I was like, this is fucking crazy that they're letting this music go on for so long. It was like a minute. I was like, I really dig this. I was like, this is uh, turning up. And then uh, we we realized that the audio uh, was stuck in a loop and Netflix was broken, and it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't supposed to sound like that. And I was like, oh man, we like rewound and it played out like with normal audio. And I was like, that was my favorite part of the movie, completely. The the, the glitch. The the glitch in Netflix where it was like dinner dinner because I was like fuck. I was like this is like unconventional. I dig this, <laughs> but uh no like I don't know Bird Box. I think it's better than a quiet place. It's uh, it's got a lot of the same problems. I would think, uh, it has some good stuff, kind of like how a quiet place does. But all in all, I think you could just watch Cell, and you would have a way better time than watching either of those two movies. Because at least Cell, you can kind of laugh at. Right. For that five minutes when uh, John Cusack turns into a pigeon, and he's just circling that pole. <sighs> You know what I'm talking Stomping about. Stomping around. <laughs> <laughs> running in a circle. <laughs> so uh, that was my uh, my trip with new horror. Uh, a couple things, the books that I had read, uh, and all these things that like people were so hot on, and it's just like, well, I don't know. But uh, the ritual is the, uh, the real winner of all of this, I guess. Nice. So anyways, uh, did you watch any movies? Well, or? I was going to say is now you got to watch a dark song, you son of a bitch. Is that a uh, bird boxing? Is it based no, on sensory it, it, monsters? It has absolutely nothing to do with any of this horse shit. Well, do you own the Blu-ray of a dark song? Not yet. 
Well, when you get that, you lend it to me. Oh my god. All right, RJ. I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna get out of this horror ghoul school shit. It's January. Okay. Um yeah. so I didn't get to talk about a couple of these movies last week because we were going extra long and we're going long again this week. What a surprise. Mm. RJ, <laughs> I watched some Netflix movies. I watched, I watched Paddington. Oh yeah. That's supposed to be real good. It's pretty good. RJ. It's pretty yep. good. Um, it is, it tells the story of Paddington, the bear. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's from the, Oh God, who's the creator? Like the guy who directed like mighty Boosh. So the man, I guess, who oh, was yeah, behind, yeah. like, old Greg, mm-hmm. he went on to make these, like, super popular kids' movies, Paddington and Paddington mm-hmm. 2, which is yeah. r- r- hilarious to me now. But, uh, yes, Paddington just tells the story of uh, a bear, uh, a Peru, what is it, Peru, Peruvian bears. Um, mm-hmm. They're, like, intelligent uh, they're discovered and then they find out about humanity and then it's like they're told, oh, Britain's a very welcoming place and you'll be very like warmly welcomed. So, hey, and then life's getting rough and boring out in Peru in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> so uh, uh, Paddington goes on a adventure, he takes a boat, gets to mm-hmm. uh, to Britain and uh, winds up living with a family. Hijinks ensue. Nicole Kidman is in this as the villain. Uh, the villain. She's she's a taxidermist. Shit. Um, yeah. So she's trying to taxiderm Paddington, <laughs> and uh, yeah. What for real? That's what this movie is about. Yes. That that's like the, the dark. Like, that's the overall. Well, Paddington's trying to like find out like what happened to the explorer and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and just like live life, and it's like cuteness and him like one like like running into things for the very first time. Uh, mm-hmm. What the, the the patriarch? I can't remember the name of the actor. He's hilarious. He get, he has like all the best lines and he delivers them really well. Colin well. Firth? No, he's like Colin Firth, but he's not. Mm, but you, okay. but I'm not gonna look it but, up. But it's fair to be like Colin Firth. Yeah, because <laughs> he might even be in like the second one. <laughs> I don't know. Who Colin Firth? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah, but he's not in the well, he's not in the first one. And uh, when Paddington 2 comes to Netflix, I will definitely watch that because apparently it's even better. Are you talking about uh, – oh, yeah, this guy looks like Colin Firth. Yeah, you see uh, Hugh, bon- Downey? Hugh Bonville. Hugh Bonville? Oh. They're, they all look like Colin and, Firth. Oh, yeah. So I'm just looking at the ben cast. I'm, I'm just looking – yeah. So I'm just looking at the uh, – the the cast here for Paddington again, and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that Gilmero del Toro just like totally ripped off scenes of this, and like it seems to be almost like the basis for Shape of Water, because not only does mm-hmm. it have Sally Hawkins in it, who's like really mm-hmm. awesome in Paddington and uh, and really like uh, a wonderful little character, uh, mm-hmm. but there's a scene where uh, Paddington like winds up causing a catastrophe in the bathroom, causing the bathroom to fill with water, until, mm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. There's like way too many weird little things going on here that it's, it can't be a coincidence considering there's like, I mean, sure. Shit of Water is probably deep into production at this time, but you have like two <laughs> movies with Sally Hawkins and like with some sort of animal and like a sink filling up with water to the bring and until it bursts out. You're just like, hmm, that's and funny. You know, you know, she was talking to Guillermo and being like, you know, what was real fun was in the bear movie. We filled the, the room with the, the water. What is that accent? It's Sally Hawkins. I see. She's French. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I have, uh, I've been made aware of this Paddington connection from uh, someone else, actually. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like it's real. Hey, uh, Paddington's uh, very good. 
you, yeah. I think you, cool. would, I think you, you, you might even like it more than I. You should watch it with Andrea. I have been trying to get her to watch it with me. I'm not even kidding. For like four months, is whenever it came up on Netflix, I was like, "Hey, we should watch Paddington," and she's like, "I don't really want to." I'm like, "God damn it!" Oh. So I ask her like every week. Well, correct her. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then I followed this up with Claudia with a Chance of Meatballs. Uh, the reason I watched that was because Phil Lord, uh, co-creator of this movie, he mm-hmm. also worked on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I talked about last week, being an ace movie. More people should go out and see it um, while it's still in theater. But yeah, I, I've never seen this uh, friend of mine, Mike. He loves this movie. Thinks it's mm-hmm. great, wonderful, and I've been meaning to watch it forever. I think I even wound up with this on DVD at one point, and I have no idea what ever happened to that. But uh, finally, the night came, and I'm like, "Hey, let's just watch this. Let's just watch this thing." And yeah, this movie is also like very charming and uh, really so mm-hmm. different from like all the stuff that Pixar was doing at that exact same time. It's just got like weird, unconventional jokes and like uh, I mean, the, the structure is all the same with these movies. They're all at the end of the day kind of kids animated movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this movie just has like added little flair to it that gives you like a uh, like I guess like it's like the adult humor that the better yeah. animated movies kind of throw in there where you're like kids are going to be like totally unaware that this is here. But like I don't know if you remember the the one scene that still sticks with me is um, when the main guy what's his name he's like I think it's like Ooh, when, Flint Lockwood yeah when Flint's running around during like mm-hmm. the the ice cream and he's throwing snowballs and like mm-hmm. the, the camera like locks in on him and it turns into almost like this like violent home invasion scene of him like throwing snowballs <laughs> at children and people and like mm-hmm. it's like what the hell <laughs> like because it, it does not feel like oh this isn't a joyous thing Cause it's like because of the way it's shot it's like it feels more mm-hmm. like a horror home invasion than it does like a kid's movie with snowballs and everyone's like laughing about it which is like oh that's funny that they're doing this uh this movie also like continues the great uh narrative of like the the awfulness of fat people mm-hmm. and, and that fat people ruin everything <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that uh isn't bruce campbell the mayor and yes. uh he's just really piling it on yeah and it's all his fault everything goes wrong because of the mayor yeah and he believes that that wasn't nominated for best animated uh and up was oh my god well they're both good yep like, but it wasn't even I'd nominated prob- i probably like them uh, equally um i'm glad you like it uh i think cloudy with a chance of meatballs is wicked good i don't know if i've ever said on the show but that made me that movie made me cry in theaters what part so it's when uh it's like when there's the food explosion at the end and mr t uh he's got his family on that grilled cheese sandwich and he jumps through a Dorito. Uh, I don't know what it was. Oh. I was in a theater and I was just like, because he's saving his family. And it's so, per- it's I like, I feel deep. like you've talked about this. At some point. I probably have. Yeah. Because uh, people always ask me, they're like, what movies make you cry? I'm like, Clyde with a chance of meatballs. And they're like, they're like, you're kidding. I'm like, I'm not kidding. Like, I don't know what it was. It was that movie just hit me right in the. Uh, it moved that, you. It moved me. It moved me. Yeah. That's a good movie. Uh, are you going to watch the sequel? Mm, eh, I don't know. Maybe, mm. I don't know. Maybe like ten years from now. <laughs> it's on Netflix too. It is. I'm, I know. I know. Mm. Well, well, and then RJ, uh, I watched two movies. I watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've heard. Have you ever seen a 2001: a Space Odyssey? Uh, it sounds familiar. Is that the one with the where the guy's dick gets blown off before he becomes a robot cop? Well, that's me. 
Oh, okay. My, my dick got blown off, and I became a robot cop after watching 2001: A Space Odyssey. Hmm, what does uh, again? That? Uh, I don't know. I so like I had this weird. I think the very first time I ever watched 2001: A Space Odyssey was the New Year's of like 1999, going into 2000. For some reason, I was like, well, I might as well watch this movie in case the world ends. And uh, yep. so I spent that night watching 2001 and uh, on like VHS from my like white box Stanley Kubrick collection. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that movie's really great. And then uh, I've only watched it maybe like once before I rewatched it. And every time I watch it, I'm always just like, this movie's amazing. And then mm-hmm. watching it again, uh, I got the 4K uh, Blu-ray of this and watched it on my 4K TV. And mm-hmm. it – so one of the things I was saying about when I was watching Halloween, Carpenter's Halloween, how, like, shoddy it looks in 4K. Like, it mm-hmm. really shows how mm-hmm. cheap a, a production that movie was, which it was, right? I mean, it was, like, a cheap, low-budget horror movie. And when you see, like, how, like, oh, this is, like, as good as this – uh, film has ever looked but you can see how it's like not even in focus because mm-hmm. the movie was shot that way like it, it's not great but then you watch 2001 and everything is like pristine you, you see like how mm-hmm. like this was like this movie shouldn't exist it's like uh, this big art house sci-fi movie made by Warner Brothers in like 1967 and it's like how was this made and like why is everything still looks so amazing like those mm-hmm. ships the lighting effects um and like watching the like kind of uh beyond the infinite uh scene like i have no idea how they made that to this day like i kind of have an idea of like how you would go about making it but mm-hmm. i'm like watching it and i'm just like how did they make this like who came up with this and designed this and like the mm-hmm. whole thought process of making it and it looks so good like you don't even think about like Oh, that looks just like fake Black Panther flipping over SUVs. <laughs> like it's just like it's just like it looks so seamless. And you're like, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, on the flip side, like the the ape man makeup and old man makeup in this are like 1967, 68. Quality. They still look cool though. Like they're fine, but I mean, like yeah. that's like the biggest thing you'd be like, well, like oh, this movie isn't aged at all. It's like yeah, the old man, the the, the makeup stuff is like not great, but it looks so good. Mm-hmm. Like the like that the Dawn of Man scene is so. Like amazing, it's like probably mm-hmm. still one of my absolute all time favorite things in a movie because it's so weird and doesn't make any sense how this got made because they would never allow it. Um, we've mm. talked we've talked about my dream uh, Godzilla kaiju movie, <laughs> which is like no humans and it's just like the animals, it's just the monsters like existing and like there's no English mm-hmm. and it's just be a, a monster movie but like a nature video and it'd be incredible. This movie kind of like touches upon that for that first twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, this movie, duh, hey, RJ, this movie's really great. And in all time, oh, it's, it's really good. <laughs> that might be a controversial statement. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really going on a limb here. But, yeah, this movie's amazing. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think I think one day it actually might be covered in the LaserDisc collection. So, woohoo! I think it is, but uh, we'll yeah. be dead. Uh, yeah, uh, and then I uh, followed it up by finally watching the sequel that we all demanded. Mm. 2010 theater we made contact how did that fare <laughs> so uh this movie stars roy schneider oh no he so he's there talking the way he talks like it's jaws mm. and uh the it's like yeah it's now the year 2010 
He's like, I'm Richard Dreyfus. Well, where's Richard Dreyfus? Where is he? He's not in this. But you know who's in this? John Lithgow. <laughs> hey, John Lithgow's supposed to be real nice in real life. I'm sure he is. He remember he does like kids. He does like kids books and stuff, and plays guitar yeah. with little ki- little chitlins. But you wouldn't know he's that from Siegel watching him in uh, Brian De Palma movies, where he's like mm. murdering people all the time. Yeah, Cliff is. You see the bad guy in Cliffhanger? Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Nice. Anyways, what were you talking about? 2010. 2010. Yeah. So this movie is absolutely a product of its time. This is an absolutely an 80s movie. Um, mm. So when Kubrick finished making 2001, he just like had all the props and stuff destroyed for 2001. Mm-hmm. So none of that was available. Uh, this movie got the blessing of Kubrick, who's like, yeah, go ahead, do it. I don't care. <laughs> like that, that was what it boiled down to. Um, I don't know if he got paid like John Carpenter does, but uh, he, he didn't care if they made this or not. He was asked, hey, do you want to continue the Arthur C. Clarke story? He's like, no. And uh, here we I'm are. Good. Here we are. Uh, this movie is about like the Russians. They want to go up and find out what happened because the, the discovery uh, – discovery it got abandoned and what happened. Mm. But this movie winds up being the story of the redemption of Hal. And like it has to be like, oh, well, how, how do you – why did Hal go weird? And it's like, no, it's awesome. Like, it's great mm-hmm. why Hal went crazy in 2001. It's like way more like messed up and weird. Mm-hmm. But now they go and explain it. Why? That doesn't need to be answered, though. Uh, but speaking of Richard Dreyfus, uh, since they don't have Richard Dreyfus, they instead have Bob Balaban, who plays oh, a yeah. Richard Dreyfus esque character. Um, and yeah, so this movie's like about Russians, and they get Rich, uh, Roy Roy Schneider to go up there with them with the, some with Americans because they can get access to the American ship to find out mm-hmm. what's going on with this giant monolith, and it, it just lays out every, it just lays out everything. It has all the like predictability of a movie made in that era, mm-hmm. and it it's just I don't know. It's not awful, but it's not good, and it's like mm-hmm. when you know when you're coming off of this, it's like. Where's that? Uh, where's that Citizen Kane sequel? You know, it's kind of like there's a certain movies that like you don't need to go into it further. Where's Were you our... going to make a Citizen Kane sequel? Kane, Kane, yeah, everyone will know what it's about, and they'll be like, "Oh man, I I've been waiting all my life for it." Nice. We'll get uh Vincent D'Onofrio in on it. Oh, via Skype. Yeah. Skype in. Okay. (laughs) Roaring out his lines. So yeah, Mm -hmm. 2010, wholly unnecessary, not brutal to watch, but like you just don't, you don't need it in your life. Yeah. So people have said about this podcast. It's true. Uh, And Mm -hmm. then RJ, I uh, watched an RJ pick. (gasps) Which one? Sorceress. Mm, I saw you watch this, but I did not see a star rating. I I know I left it. uh, Don't uh, hold me in... uh, wait any longer what 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 the hell dude (laughs) (laughs) what 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 did you not like sorceress it's so like it's such a poorly made movie um come on man like i don't know i'm not saying i didn't like enjoy watching it but like holy smokes so you you kind of like would have liked this if i hadn't watched it first that's all i know no, I okay. I've I've gone deep on these uh, '80s swords and sorcery movies. You can check mm-hmm. it out, folks. I tag my movies properly, unlike someone else. And uh, I've 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 explored. I've seen the good swords and sorcery movies. Sorceress mm-hmm. is somewhere in the middle, and uh, this is like, 
it's a low bar when it comes to these swords and sorcery type movies. They're mm-hmm. horrible for the most part. And mm-hmm. so this one's like actually very close to the film The Barbarians, which has male twin barbarian dudes in it, where this has oh. twin playmates uh, playing sorceresses um, who can't act. I've seen some people say they're very good actors, and I was like, no, they're not. I mean, they're fine. They're they're bad. They're bad. Every I'm not sure what's going on in this movie because it's this was like made in Mexico. It's Roger mm-hmm. Corman production. Uh, Jack Hill had nothing to really do. Like I don't know. He like oh. dis, he like disowned this thing, and I don't even think he finished uh, making it. It's okay. very it's very different from what Jack Hill wanted to do. They never worked together ever again after this mm-hmm. uh, movie. But um, shit, like you can't even begin to like what's the name Londo the 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 pan fellow in this movie. Oh yeah. Uh, holy crow! That thing is like nightmare stuff. Uh, like you're talking about the satyr. Yeah, yeah, that guy. He's so horny all the time, and he's just like. <laughs> and there's times where it's like he, like, oh, he goes off to jerk off. That's like the implication yep. of this. And it's like, nope, well, that... it was better that than raping that woman, Jared. Yeah, because after, oh, yeah, after she like endlessly is orgasming because her twin is like having bone times elsewhere with yeah, what's like, wrong with that oh fuck the guy like roberto nelson the barbarian god he mm-hmm. sucks he's like the, I, yeah the barbarian guy's pretty the gucci guy yeah permbo yeah he's uh hey, what about when he was sliding down that huge dick though did man, you think that was funny well i was like pretty excited when like i thought he was like gonna be impaled on the gigantic greased up post and then it turns mm-hmm. out oh no he's gonna slide down that onto the spike and let's have some lingering shots of his furry butt and I, I was well, like, I explained that to you. Oh, you did. But like, it's another thing watching it. And you're like, <laughs> wow, this is like, a, this is really happening. This is, this mm-hmm. is cinema. Um, so yeah. you heard it here first. Jarrett loves Sorceress. I, I don't love it. I didn't dislike it, but I, I don't even want to begin to uh, like ever think about this movie again. How cool was uh, Vital at the end though? Oh man, Vital is uh, like I wanted more Vital. Well, I know. So it's Vital, a bummer. Vital is like this flying cat god mm-hmm. specter that shows up, and he floats around a lot, and then he mm-hmm. shoots a beam and wins the day. That's yeah, it. It's very could have been some, oh, some more best. I think the highlight of the movie that like I think was super wicked was the undead guys. So I didn't. I didn't want to say. It. I thought that part was so cool too. I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to ruin yeah. that one for you. Well, cause like, yeah, they look great. And I'm like, man, mm-hmm. if you like took this footage out of the movie and like put like some like metal music or some sort of weird music yeah. over it and edited it together, you could actually make something really cool out of it. And like mm-hmm. go through all these other like swords and sorcery movies where you just have like the cool monsters and stuff and put it in mm-hmm. all into one thing. You're like, that would be far more watchable than any one of these movies. Cause usually the humanoids are trash. And then there's like, oh yeah, there's like the pseudo dwarf in this who's just like a Viking guy. But he, yeah, but he's like clearly like supposed to be a dwarf, but he's regular sized and mm-hmm. he seems to be just like, I'm such a good spirit that I'm not <laughs> tempted by anything, but just, oh, I do not understand the ways of life. <laughs> well, it's kind of like me though. Yeah, you are the, the Gimli to my Legolas sliding down elephant trunks. Are you Legolas cool. in this well, situation, in this well, scenario? I, well, I got the great hair, right? Uh, I firmly disagree with that. I do not know what uh, Frank is talking about. You're no David Lynch. Mm, He's got great hair. 
He's got. Well, I don't know if he's keeping up on that hair anymore. I'm not sure well, if he's that, like uh, 80, but I mean, uh, he's still got nice hair. He's also deep in that uh, that transcendental meditation bullshit. Maybe that's what's good for hair. Or maybe it's falling out now. Who's to say? Who's to say? There's no way to confirm this. No. Uh, and I also watched another sword and sorcery movie called Ator, the Fighting Eagle, uh, from director Joe D'Amato. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I, I'm, it was probably, yeah, not as good as Sorceress, because Sorceress like, had some, I like, guess, like, so laugh out loud moments of like makeup and such. <laughs> okay, wait, did you watch Sorceress by yourself or with someone else? I watched it with Chanel. And what was her impression of Sorceress? About the same as mine, of just like mm. incredulous. Like, we're like, my God. But it's just like, it's a draggy movie. <laughs> but it's it's fun to watch with someone else, though. But it but it drags. Like, it's like, it's sure. just, and it's like chunky. And like I said, yeah. I don't know. I, I love the idea of these movies, but watching them is always not fun. Like, other than mm. like, there's about five good of these movies. Um, and I'm not including like a Lord of the Rings. I'm talking about like the 80s ones. There's like, mm a handful that are good. Everything else is just like, uh, I think the best I've seen is, because uh, like these movies were all came out after Conan the Barbarian was a huge hit. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's like, uh, I've seen someone call them Clonan movies, uh, where everyone was just rushing out to like mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. one of these. And then they get these guys who are like, hey, he works out. But it's like, yeah, but clearly you look at the dude who's playing Ator and there's a reason why Arnold Schwarzenegger is such an amazing physical specimen. Because nobody has, has a body like that. Like, nobody well, just like... I mean, not, no, not, no, not like me. No, no, nobody can work out and get that body. That's He's a freak. Because most guys work out and they just wind up almost becoming like spindly. Like, they're like big, weird chests and like they're rep, like in really great shape. But like physically, like looking at them when they're like in barbarian outfits, like loincloths and straps and stuff, you're just like, oh, it looks like a weird gangly cat rather than like... Mm. Uh, like a German tank, which is like the Schwarzenegger look. And that's why um, uh, James Cameron was like, yeah, he's the Terminator. He, and he's the tank to the Lamborghini of the T-1000. He's like totally right. Mm-hmm. Like, like when you're looking at all these dudes, these like muscle dudes, you're like, yeah, they're muscular, but they're not They're not built in this like like action figure way that Schwarzenegger was in his, in his peak. Who was the Lamborghini? Robert Patrick? Yeah, he's supposed to be the lean like liquid machine. And that was like what they were going for. He's not, he's, he doesn't need Wasn't to, that your nickname in high school? The, the liquid machine. <laughs> not to my knowledge. <laughs> I got him. Anyway. I got him, you guys. So yeah, Ator, the fighting eagle. Uh, apparently this can be watched with the mystery science theater treatments. Uh, I don't like those. Yeah. So I, I didn't watch it that way. I watched the real deal. Uh, there's mm-hmm. like two more Ator movies. Uh, I believe it's like Ator 2, The Blade Master. And then there's like Ator 3, Ator the Invincible. Uh, I might watch the second one. I have a bunch of these kind of in the ready to watch more of if I was so inclined. But I've kind of been on a, uh, on my film noir kick, my Jan noir airy kick. Uh, Not again. Year three. Uh, I've watched like four of these. I'm not going to get into them this week. Um, They've all been fine. There's one that was awesome, but uh, talk about it. I'll talk about it next week. Okay. Yeah. Hey, RJ, got any news? Uh, No, I don't think so. Me neither. I heard those golden globes were a real shit show. Oh man. Did you see what one best dramatic film? Uh, I heard, yeah, that movie by that rapist. Uh, well, or no, wait, uh, that was the other one. Uh, all movies are made by rapists. No, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was wondering because I totally was not thinking about the Golden Globes on Sunday night. I was mm-hmm. wrapping up my D and Ding, uh, and uh, I got home and I was like, 
oh, shit, people on Twitter are talking about Golden Globes. I'm like, I've heard that the favorite was nominated for something. I wonder if it won. It won, <laughs> uh, it won an award for, like, Best Actress or Best best Supporting Actress. Oh, yeah, uh, Olivia Coleman. Or yeah, yeah, from, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, that's all it won. It uh, was nominated for, like, a Best Musical or Comedy, um, and, <laughs> okay. and, it, and it lost. But uh, what won for Best Dramatic Film was Bohemian Rhapsody, which I'm pretty mm. sure, like, I have not seen anyone reasonable be like yeah the movie's great like not, not I've, I've never seen a positive comment no on that it, movie. most people say it's like just crap like it is this like, yeah. the most like turgid like musical biopic imaginable it's like the sort of thing that like walk hard was making fun of and uh here we are and that's winning golden globes a la shape of water and uh i don't know it baffled me and i saw like the list it's like black panther Black Klansman, uh, Beale Street, and then there's like, oh, A Star is Born, which somehow wasn't nominated as a musical. <laughs> and it's like, so, <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, that's, I don't know if I, did I mention that Andrea said that A Star is Born is like a complete shit movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had mentioned She that. said, yeah, she was like, she was like, uh, Bradley Cooper comes in all leathery and Sam Elliott plays his brother. Not his dad, but his brother. And then Lady Gaga comes in and she's like, I'm from Jersey. And like, she's like, that's how Andrea described it. She's like, that's the whole movie. She's like, fucking sucked. <laughs> so she's a tough one, man. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it sounds like those Golden Globes really suck. Yeah, as they always do, I guess. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway. <laughs> we, 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 we got a movie to talk about. I didn't watch any movies this week. After the break, we're going home to fix mom's roof. Or are we? That's that sound for when uh, shit goes crazy. Преград не зная, шел солдат, друзей теряя, часто бывало, шел без привала, шел вперед солдат. Он ночами грозовыми. Рассказывай. 
вы не любите меня. Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Ballad of a Soldier from 1959, directed by Gregory Chakre. The tagline for the film, from the very pages of life itself. And the Is that accurate? Synopsis, uh, yeah. And the synopsis here from Letterboxd, during World War II, Ernest Young Russian soldier, Alyosha Shvartsov. What was that again? Shvartsov? is rewarded with a short leave of absence for performing a heroic deed on the battlefield. Feeling homesick, he decides to visit his mother. Due to his kind-hearted nature, however, Alyosha is repeatedly sidetracked by his efforts to help those he encounters, including a lovely girl named Shura. In his tour of a country devastated by war, he struggles to keep hope alive. So, uh, this is a first-time watch for me. I was actually pretty well completely unfamiliar with this movie i had no idea what it was uh but when i read the synopsis getting ready for watching it i was like wait a minute are you kidding me within like what a couple of movies uh cranes are flying to this Mm -hmm. we got two movies covering like essentially the same type of story that's weird um it's almost intentional almost intentional in fact Mm -hmm. i uh when i was reading about ballad of soldier i guess it um cranes are flying and this other one called like uh the fate of man or fate of Mm -hmm. a man uh they're part of like this like kind of cultural exchange in the 60s of like Mm -hmm. uh russian cinema with american when they were like on better terms during um the the khrushchev years um and yeah, so both these movies, I guess, are kind of presenting this humanist view of uh, the faceless Russian menace, I guess, and saying, hey, we're people just like you. And here's like examples of our cinema demonstrating that, uh, mm-hmm. showing that, hey, World War II sucked for everybody. So yeah, uh, Ballad of a Soldier. Uh, it's kind of like the flip side of The Cranes Are Flying, I guess, because instead of like kind of seeing specifically the uh, what the war was like at home, this is like the on the on the war front like at the, on the go on the go and then like kind of the the march back which i guess kind of falls into kind of the one of the more notable aspects of world war ii in russia's side which was like the pushback that they got uh, as germany pushed 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 and pushed them all the way to the edge and then they've had to fall back because 
You don't mess with Russia in winter. Um, and so this is kind you of don't like... don't mess with Russia all year round, baby. All year round. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Okay, you, keep going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you have, uh, yeah, Alyosha, who... You get this, like, really tense uh, opening scene of mm-hmm. him out on... Actually, so it actually doesn't open up there. It opens up with these, like, beautiful, like... Uh, picturesque images of a mother waiting in a like field looking at this like empty country road waiting for her son to return to her a narrator informs us that um that she's like waiting for her son and he'll and she'll never see him again and stuff like that and you're like oh well this is going to be some grim business and um and then we get cut to like the battlefield and uh Alyosha and uh, a comrade they're uh they're in the trenches, uh, facing mm-hmm. off against those legendary uh, German tanks that mess you up, and they're very hard to take down. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're under fire. He starts running as you any sane person would do when being chased down, literally chased down by a tank, uh, which is like a, a fantastic scene. Like I was like trying to think about movies that I've seen that have like that same imagery, and like it really come across that way, where it's like whoa. And it's like they're almost sadistically chasing him down too because they could like dispatch him if they wanted. But they're like, no, we're going to run this guy down. But he's able to uh, get into a position with just the right shot and take this thing down uh, from continuing after him. And then he mm-hmm. not only does that, he pulls it again, shoots up another tank with, a, I guess, like an anti-tank gun. And uh, That's not a real thing. I Yeah, I, I believe it is. <laughs> That's a pretty powerful uh, rifle he was using. Yeah, but this is sci-fi. Oh, the, the fictional World War II with yeah. the Russians. I see. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we get this scene where it's like, oh, yeah, he, and then uh, they're able to like, he's able to turn back these two tanks and then the barrage hits and then chases off the other tanks. Uh, he's something of a hero. And uh, he's like, oh, hey, good, great job. And he's like, oh, <laughs> hey, instead of like, I can't remember what he's initially offered by his commanding officer. Some like meager thing or like something like, oh, hey, you get like it's... some more pay or more vacation days or something like that. But he's like, oh, can I just go home and see, see my mom? I, I want to mm-hmm. help her like work on the roof. And it's like, oh, like, hey, you know, we're all making sacrifices here. You know, like we all can't just go mm-hmm. home wherever we want. But then everyone's like, oh, this guy doesn't, he just wants to go home and help his mom work on his roof. It's like, I guess we can uh, swing that. You can go take a uh, couple extra days, take the train, mm-hmm. go see your mama. And he does just that. And this kid, this Alyosha, so the guy who's playing him, he's like like an amateur actor. He's like a 19-year-old kid playing the age mm-hmm. that he is. Um, he's like, comes off pretty well. I don't, I'm mm-hmm. not a native Russian speaker. I don't know, can't speak to his uh, accent, but the performance came off really well. And that's the same for uh, Shura. Um, I guess the, mm-hmm. what winds up being kind of like the pseudo love interest in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they're both like just people they cast and I think it worked out really well here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so you kind of just follow uh, Alyosha as he's making his way across the uh, war-torn landscape that is uh, Russia at this point in time. Um, you see him kind of meet up with, uh, across or cross paths with a, uh, a wounded soldier who's being sent home cause he's, uh, lost his leg and, uh, he's going through the usual, Oh, I just lost my leg depression that I think is pretty reasonable to be <laughs> that going old through. Chestnut, hey? Yeah, a, uh, best years of our lives. It's like, that's the whole story of like returning soldiers is amputees and returning home. Um, uh, and 
But in that yep. movie, it's more like horrifying your wife with your like mechanical appendages. And she's like, oh, Jesus. Uh, this movie just kind of like lightens up on that aspect. And uh, yeah. kind of it's like, but they do leave you with that that moment of him clopping down the uh, the train track with the, the crutches. Mm-hmm. That's like, mm-hmm. it, it drives home that mm, maybe things aren't as like great as like you like to think even though her face is like so ecstatic that he's alive at all which i guess is like uh this thing it's like hey even if this is the case don't lose hope it's like someone back there loves you kid um mm-hmm. so you kind of like it so this becomes like a side thing uh there's a scene where uh the 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 amputee he's just like I'm going to go somewhere else. I can't see my wife. She doesn't want anything to do with me. She's she's got a life. We were like on the outs anyway. And uh, he, he spills his guts to this total stranger. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, like, the, the girl behind the, like, uh, the Western Union uh, counter, she just, like, just cusses him out, saying, you selfish piece of shit. You should go home and see her. And he's like, oh, I guess. <laughs> and he does. And things kind of work out okay in that front. Um, mm-hmm. But, of course, we get, like, side, side adventures as Alyosha is constantly trying to do the right thing and be a good guy. Um, and not in like the current good guy kind of way, but actually a decent human not being. Not a nice guy? Not a nice guy. Uh, cashing in his nice guy card. No, mm-hmm. it's like him. He's just trying to see his mama. And uh, so, yeah, he eventually uh, takes a train, riding it out. Uh, it's like a military train. He shouldn't be on there, but he missed another train helping out all these people. <laughs> and uh, there's like a this real asshole young soldier who's just giving him a rough time saying oh i'm really doing a favor my soldier like we're my uh, commanding officer he really is a tart ass and if i get <laughs> i get in trouble maybe you ought to give me some uh, cans of meat i mean that's what i often ask for people from for like a, a bribe is cans of meat isn't that uh what the patreon is set up as essentially like uh like one tier is one can of meat and then like the gold <laughs> tier is like you buy us all the meat yeah in cans yeah something like that all that prim <laughs> so uh anyway he winds up on that train in the hay and then sure winds up showing up there we get a little bit of like oh no he's gonna rape me but he's not really it's a miscommunication it's real that's a really great meet cute um and then he does kind of like push in a little bit uh in that way that men apparently do in close quarters can can you describe what that looks like uh, to the, the people here listening and not watching, what does that push in look like? Um, it's like a man who's just like dead eyed, mm. mouth kind of like half open, and just push. <laughs> and he's moving and like whatever framing exists in real life, they're just like mm-hmm. moving closer towards something. And uh, it's like, uh, is is this guy going to work through the no? Uh, I, I hope not. And then uh, he's not. He's kind of like, you know, he's just like a little hormonal, I guess. He's like, I haven't seen anybody for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, you're a pretty lady. How about it? And she's like, no, I've got a fiancé. I, I can't do that. So uh, they're hanging out. Um, and, yeah, they again, some more uh, – they're, they're kind of starting to fall in love, RJ. They're starting to, like, <gasps> get into one another. And it's uh, beautifully photographed. Uh, again, like, it's kind of like a – it's it's not it's no cranes or flying as far as like that like incredible cinematography that's just like knock your socks off like wow this looks amazing, uh, but this mm-hmm. movie's got some like some amazing <clears throat> shots and some very mm-hmm. great uh, some very nice photography going on, 
And it's just like, I don't know, I think this movie is really good. Um, mm-hmm. it, I think it's ridiculous how underseen it is, but I'm not surprised because, I mean, mm-hmm. if we weren't doing this podcast, neither of us were watching Ballad of a Soldier. Um, and I don't know, it's just because it's like, oh, it's it's 1959 Russian cinema, and I don't know, it's just like not like on the top of anybody's list, but it's like unmistakably, like un- inarguably a really great movie um, mm-hmm. and should be seen by more people. Uh, and I, I'm really glad I got to watch it because I think more people should check it out. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> hey, hey, RJ, what, what did you mm. think of Ballad of a Soldier? Um, I, uh, I don't have any fun jokes for you, Jarrett. No. I thought I had some. Uh, I didn't, I, uh, I opened my book when we sat down here and I only had two notes and I was like, uh-oh. I was like, did I not finish that movie? Because I was like, did I forget? But I think it was what you were talking earlier. It was like time went by pretty fast when you even had to check. You're like, oh shit, did I watch the movie this week? And uh, I don't think that's a knock against this movie. Uh, a lot of times when we don't take notes, it's usually because we enjoy the movies. Uh, and I did enjoy Ballad of a Soldier. Sometimes when we have too many notes, Jarrett, it's because we didn't like the movie. You know what I mean? Well, sometimes. Yeah. Some, well, it's, uh, it swings both ways. Yeah, just like us. Uh, so, yeah, uh, this movie was, I thought it was pretty good. Um, it's kind of just to like echo chamber what you said a little bit. Uh, it's got good cinematography. Uh, there's some, there are a few real nice shots. Uh, there's not like, I don't think there's anything like that's great that really stands out. Like Crane, Cranes Are Flying had a couple Ooh. of those like, those anti-tank spikes. And like some of those she- scenes, I was like, yeah. Uh, and this one had a couple really good ones, but nothing there's, that like. There's that one though. There, it's like the uh, the whole buildup of them like kind of falling in love and like her hair, like mm. her like her golden hair and the train, like they're kind of getting closer, but they never kiss. You never get that like the the makeout mm. scene that. Uh, but so yeah, you like, would want the makeout scene. No, I, I don't want the makeout scene because mm. it's just it's like oh, it's that. But they don't never show it. They just build up to it of them like getting closer to one another, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they don't go down that route. I actually, I kind of really liked the scenes with the mom at the very start, just kind of like waiting on the roads and the cliffs. I thought those were pretty nice, uh, very well shot scenes. And uh, the other thing that I like too is um, like this one shows a little bit of like, like and by a little bit, I mean like one minute of like war scenes, action with the tanks. I thought some of that was kind of cool. You have that nifty little scene where like the camera goes inverted when he's running away from the tank and it follows him but then the camera like flips up and he's like running up the screen you know what i mean yeah so that's a a fancy little trick uh but yeah it's got good cinematography uh i kind of liked how casual this movie was uh because going in i was like man this movie's gonna be a bummer like i thought it was gonna be real sad and depressing uh but it was kind of fun it was like forrest gump it's like this dude who just kind of stumbles upon all these these situations and these uh, these people, and they kind of they always get him into trouble, Jarrett. He's gone gumping. By, by gumping, yeah, by gumption. Uh, so I kind of like that because it was it was a little lighter, and not that the hard stuff, that heavy stuff, isn't good, but it was nice to have kind of a movie like this where it had more of more of like an uplifting kind of like lead and the things that were happening weren't complete horse or like complete shit 
raining on them like in cranes are flying where you just feel bad the whole time for the leads uh but that said like all of his side missions uh i think that kind of they did a really good job of showing what like his side (laughs) missions like showing like like what some of their their realities were like the uh the guy who was missing his leg and then later uh the lady who shacked up with a new man and he takes that soap back and he's like i'm taking this soap oh yeah because you don't deserve it so like his side missions you see a lot of those like the downers uh and the realities of the war and people i guess but uh him you you could root for him he was like a really nice guy and like cranes are flying we're going to make connections because it was so recent. Yeah. Uh, you rooted for those leads too. But at the same time, it was like so much bad stuff was happening to them. You were just like, oh, man. Uh, but in this one, you were just kind of rooting for them the whole time. You're like, yeah, good job, man. You're uh, you're doing the right thing. Uh, and I think this movie has a really good uh, – I wrote – the the only two notes I had were um, some pretty nice tanks – because there are some pretty nice tanks at the start. Uh, and then patriotism is best, comrade. Because uh, I feel like this movie has that message where a lot of it is about like doing the moral thing. Where it's like, what's the right thing to do here? Like when he gets found out on the train and the guy's like kind of shitty to him. He's like, give me all that canned meat. But then the higher up guy is like, what are you doing here? And he sees that the guy was like a war hero. And he's like, you're going to take a... He's like, you're going to take this war hero's canned meat mm-hmm. to be a piece of shit. Uh, so it's like they kind of emphasize doing like the morally right thing. Uh, but then at the same time, there's a lot of I, I kind of got the talk like not like um, not like warmongering type stuff or like patriotism things, but where they're just like, yes, you should do what's right for the country. It's like that is the thing to do, brother. So I, I thought it had a little bit of that too, but it's it's not laid on like too heavy or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have like, it's weird. Um, it's like I said, I couldn't remember if I watched it because I had so few notes, and I I honestly don't have a ton to talk about it. Uh, but I did enjoy it. I thought it was a good show, and I'm glad I watched it. Like you said, it's good that we are doing the creep thing because I would have likely never watched this in my life otherwise. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't have a ton to say about it, even though uh, I did enjoy it quite a bit. I thought it was a good show. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, uh, when I was watching this movie, like, there was, like, thoughts that crossed my mind. uh, And it should be one that comes to mind when watching these war movies of, like, putting yourself in these situations of, like, what if I had to go off to war? And because there was, like, a period of time, I think, in our life where we never had to think about that. I don't Hmm. know. Some days uh, it's like, hmm. Are, is like that uh, kind of a, a, like safety, that world that we live in, our neck of the woods, is that like a thing that's just like not going to be like, oh, it's maybe not going to always be this pristine way. And it's like, what if these are things that I have to consider have, uh, happening to me? Um, or will I even come to that? Will we just get wiped out in a blast? <laughs> and it's like, what if we have to like go fight in some grueling conflict? And it's just like, oh, yeah, that would be like absolutely horrible because it's like you're just kind of uh, – handing yourself over to whatever happens and you can be like, Oh, I'm doing great. And then you're dead and, and it's mm-hmm. no fault of your own. It's just what happens. And, uh, that's like kind of like what, uh, like between cranes are flying and watching this, like, cause you never find out what happens to, uh, Alyosha, right? You just know that like he goes back to the front, he rushes home. He like, uh, there's a big, like 
big dramatic movement of him like trying to find his mom he's only got a little bit of time there's this asshole who's like i'll give you a ride but i'm, I'm gonna get shot i'm gonna, I'm gonna get arrested here if i like spend any more time with you kid and um so he gets to go home see his mom for like two minutes which is like either like the uh, a real like blessing or it's like mm-hmm. actually makes things worse because it's like oh i wasn't missing you that bad but now that you're here it's even worse and then it's like oh and now i'm never going to see you again so all we have are those two minutes it's very bittersweet rj um you know what else is bittersweet is when you're doing a podcast with your pal and uh you do it out of a shared mutual respect for movies and then you make a comment just a genuine thing like you didn't think the cinematography was great, but you thought it was good. And then you get your phone buzz because <laughs> your pal, your chum, goes to the social media for said podcast's account and calls you out on their opinions of a movie. <laughs> and you're doing this while you're recording. And usually you shouldn't look at your phone, but it's like, oh, that's weird. What is this update about the criterion creeps? Is it going to be relevant to the pod? And then you look at it and you're like, bittersweet 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 to say the least so uh that's uh that's all a plot point in ballad of a soldier so i didn't just go off on a tangent here but uh you know sometimes a current topical fast real life stuff happens and you have to adjust any uh any thoughts about uh that that sequence rj and it's bittersweetness what do you mean which sequence these uh, scenes that you're showing me here? No, yeah, no, I'm, like, I'm, I'm talking about uh, like him, uh, like the, the fact that it's like him coming home and like basically his mom oh, gets yeah, to experience I feel like it. Would it. Be worse. Yeah, but, and it's uh, weird, right? I, but at I the same know. time, it's like, what is it? And then it's like, because at that point in my mind, I was like, oh, at the beginning of the movie, we're told that he never sees his or his mother never gets to see him again. Mm-hmm. But then they do see each but other. They do, yeah. and you're so like, little... wait, and you're like, wait, what? And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. he did get to see her. So like, the, the movie introduces this like kind of like uh kind of a fib to like kind of like build up that moment because you're like well they're not going to mm-hmm. see each other but then they do and you're like whoa they actually did get to see one another and so you're kind of like mm-hmm. emotionally brought in onto the, into the conflict of like will they won't they even though you're well i was told that and then they do but then he's gone and you're like oh that like be- shots at the beginning of the movie are like it was like a, almost like a cold open and it was like a, in, in media res where it's like you saw the end of the movie and you didn't realize where you were looking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, an, it's an interesting thing. And I mean, it's very, um, I don't know, because it's like at the end of the day, he could have been uh, anything else. He could have been, uh, he could have gone on to solve something or been a scientist or a worker, but instead he is only a soldier, but he was a Russian soldier. Um, comrade and it's like and it echoes the uh end of uh the cranes are flying where you mm-hmm. get uh his uh his buddy giving the big speech about like hey we, we need to honor the dead because they're allowing it so that we never have to fight a war ever again which of course obviously worked out to be true we've never fought a war since 1945 anywhere in the world um are you sure um well i mean why what would about the, the war why, at why, home why would the movie lie or the war on christmas mm-hmm. um what why would these things uh be so anyway yeah like there's this like there's like that r- russian propaganda element to the films yeah uh which are fine i guess because like everyone was making these movies and uh had these same ideas and like 
these movies like I think are both examples that there's a little bit more freedom in making these films because of like their expression to them and like you you don't know if necessarily the writers and directors were like totally on board with these sentiments they were just kind of like hey we're gonna throw those in because that's they're supposed to be rousing kind of films but they're gonna have this like layer of humanity to them uh, that like kind of says well we don't ne- we, it, we're still talking about like how awful it is to like for 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 the human conditions side that. Uh, yeah, war's horrible, and it ends lives, and it's like not fair. But mm-hmm. hey, lots of people's lives are on the line, and so the other thing too is like um, thinking again back to cranes are flying. Is you get the thing of like the, the worst thing that you could do in this society during war is to be a hussy, to be a woman. Because mm-hmm. that, that's one of the other stories, that, uh, one of the side stories I, I forgot to mention uh, in uh, kind of my recap summary is uh, on his way to catch the train, he kind of gets like his Jeep gets stuck in like a, a bog of water and some soldiers are walking by and the guy's like, hey, where are you yeah. going? Oh, hey, yeah, yeah. Tell my wife uh, that I love her. I, oh, I, I think about her every night. Oh, hey, get her get her, get her some soap. Yeah, get her some meat mm-hmm. and some soap from like uh, the CEO. Oh, I'm like, well, okay, fine. So he hauls <laughs> this stuff. He takes a special trip off uh, the beaten path to like go to make make good on his word, which is like crazy. Cause like when I watch mm-hmm. that scene, I'm always like, you know, I tell people I want to do things and I fully intend never to do it. And, but like when I watch these movies, He's finally admitted it. But when I watch movies where they're like, I'm going to do this. And I go, are they really like, why don't you just like, why don't you just mm-hmm. blow them off and say, yeah, 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 sure, dude. And then like later on I go, yeah, sorry, man. I, I was too busy. I had to catch a train and be somewhere. Because that's what mm-hmm. most people do nowadays. But in these one, I kind of like idyllic kind of sentimental movies, you're like, oh no, he actually went and like took time out of his schedule to go do this thing that like gets him no net benefit. It's just like, no, that's the right thing you do because it's old times, uh, and not cynical hatred for my fellow neighbor times. Um, and yeah, you get the big reveal of like, oh, hey, she's uh, shacked up and uh, is living pretty comfortably and kind of moved on beyond that. And uh, so I was watching this with Chanel at the time, and she was kind of like, well, it's kind of bullshit to be like kind of that kind of weird slut shaming thing of like, because mm-hmm. it's like she's in a really horrible situation too, where it's like, who's looking after her? And I'm like, well, that's the thing with the, the attitude between this and cranes are flying is that it's like, hey, we're all in this together. We all got to make sacrifices. We can't be just thinking about like, oh, how am I going to eat? It's like, hey, we're all thinking about that. And sure enough, it's like if you trust your fellow countrymen, they'll take care of you. You don't need to go like uh, bang some other dude just because your main squeeze isn't around. Um, and just because you want to like, you know, have a little bit of shelter or food. And so Battle of Soldier, it kind of like shows, hey, this lady's like no good. And like that's it beats you down with that. Cranes are flying, though. You get the flip side where it's like, well, she kind of didn't get pick this situation on her own. She kind of, you know, mm-hmm. was raped. And uh, so it's like a completely different thing. But that sentiment, like there's a scene where like um, the doctor father, he's like giving that big speech about just like how horrible some women are who mm-hmm. like would go behind and stuff like that. It's like, she's not even worth your time. You're soldiers and like, you're going to like, oh, you're going to do great and you're doing a great thing. And these women, they're not even worth it. I spit on them. They're, they're worse than scum. And so both mm-hmm. movies kind of like handle it. Uh in this kind of similar but different way. Uh, mm-hmm. It's almost uh, unfortunate that these movies weren't back-to-back because, like, I mean, there's an obvious, like, compare-contrast uh, between the two. Well, it's it's funny that you say that where it's like the person gets put in a bad position and then 
they kind of get piled on where it's like, yeah, you're the bad one. Where there are these things, there are these parallels to real life where you have this movie podcast with your friend and you make a comment one time about the cinematography and then you get berated about how not only are you wrong, but you should feel wrong and you should feel bad because you're you're the bad person here. Like your loved one went off. You made that comment on the podcast. You were the wrong one. Do you understand, Jarrett? Do you understand what I'm talking about here? Your best friend liked it. <laughs> well, he probably understands. And when he hears this <laughs> podcast tomorrow, he'll know what's going on. I just thought I should say that. But yes, I agree uh, with a lot of the things you were saying. And these should have been. <laughs> double headers because there are many parallels to each other and things to com- compare because cranes are flying was sad and a bummer and ballad of the soldier was a little bit nicer it was a nicer movie like me these movies are perfect and anal- out like <clears throat> perfect things for you and me there's a real nice version that's like kind of sweet and you're, you're rooting for and then there's this one version that just like shits all over you and then forces itself upon other people at all the, at every opportunity. <laughs> uh, so war, man. No oh, man. What is it good for? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, I thought this movie was good. Yeah. Regardless of uh, any conversations we've had that are now recorded for history. That's right. But uh, yeah, this is a this is a pretty good show. It's pretty good. Pretty good show. But you know what, RJ? Yep. There's some people who dislike this movie. I won't say hate. Just dislike? I think it's just because so few, few people have really seen it. Even though it's like 2.2 thou or whatever. Yeah. yeah. 2,200 people have logged it. But mm. some two and a half stars coming our way. Mm. Pink Sheets. Two yeah. and a half stars. Executed mostly fine. Aside from some iffy editing at points, it does well by its theme even if that theme is not particularly original. (laughs) This film (laughs) simply evoked nothing in me. Perhaps I am just not as receptive as I should be, but at no point was I slightly captivated, unfortunately. Hmm, unfortunate. Their originality, uh, they have a lot of Star Wars movies in their top five. But also, so they got like some movies that are pretty good. Harry Curie, I think you talked about uh, liking. Twin Peaks, you got Rosemary's Baby, Sunset Boulevard, Mulholland Drive. But here's the thing, Jared. Five stars to Inland Empire, the unanimous worst David Lynch movie of all time. So that's a bad one. Yeah. Mm. Evan Douglas, two and a half Mm. stars. Boilerplate Propaganda. But who can't get at least a little choked up at a mother-son reunion? Hmm. This uh, Evan Douglas is a unique fellow or fellow lady. I don't know what that one is. Uh, They got some favorite films like Seven Sam and The Master. Uh, They also have this movie called Santan Tanjo. Yeah, Satan Tango. Santan Tango. Yeah. Uh, That's come up before on this. Uh, I think this Evan Douglas may be a fan of our show. They have five stars to La Uh They have five stars to Roar, uh, our favorite Ooh. Mayan enthusiastic movie. Uh, but then they have five stars to like Shock Corridor. Mm. That movie's not a five-star movie. Nah. But lots of Criterions. 
Yeah. Lots of criterions. Well, hi, Evan, if you're listening. If you're listening. Uh, Derp Zerplin. <laughs> Ooh, could you say that again? Derp Zerplin. Nice. Two and a half stars. A movie in which a sentient moral compass dressed as a Russian soldier runs some errands for some people. I'm sure this movie was objectively very good. What do you mean ob- objectively? Like, they're like, do you want me to answer for derp? Yes. Um, I guess what uh, derp is saying is that they can acknowledge that this movie is probably like objectively a very good movie. They mm-hmm. just didn't, it didn't work for them. I think is what they're getting at, which is like, you know what? That's fair. That, that's a two and a half star review. Uh, yeah. I, I don't mind that. It's those, it's those like half star, one star reviews where they mm-hmm. express the exact same thing, but you're like, I don't think you really understand how, uh, stars this, this, how, how like how one qu- attempts to like quantify their enjoyment of a film. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Derp Zerplin's, uh, pretty much on the level. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, five stars, uh, green room, five stars. However, they did just give Baby Driver four stars. Mm. 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 Well, there you go. Yeah, not too much vitriol. Not very many people watch this, and uh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, like very few people uh, I follow have watched it either. So mm-hmm. I don't know. People should change that around. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a very good movie. Are you into ver- Are you into good movies? Battle of the Soldiers not a bad way to go. Are you into good shows that have good cinematography, but not maybe not great? Allegedly, mm-hmm. allegedly, yeah, it's it's pretty good. I mean, for Russian uh, propaganda war movies, it's up there with some of the best. Yep, <laughs> propaganda. Yeah, it's a good. Yep. It's but I mean at the same time, it's like oh, it's propaganda because it's like Russian. And it's like well, I don't know. No, it's well. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, I was I saying know, before. Yeah. It, it, it's mostly like the message they mostly get across. It's like do the moral thing, and then it's like sometimes they connect it to like nationalism. But yes. like, yeah, yeah, it's it's not it's not that heavy handed. It's no. mostly just hey, don't be an asshole. I, I, I think do most, the right thing. I, I think it's a message that goes beyond national borders because they, yeah. they, they don't even drop a lot of uh, like sovietisms that i was aware of anyway it didn't seem like super like oh it's for the greater good because it's like well most like war efforts are fought Almost. on this idea of like yeah. the greater good regard like whatever nation you're in mm-hmm. kind of like hey do you like your way of life do you do you want to be uh controlled by the the german dogs mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah and it's like well no one no one wants to be conquered um but then some people wind up doing it i mean mm-hmm. uh both of us are descendants of conquered people, and most people are coming from that at some point in their life. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Always keep going. Anyways, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Well, I think we're in agreement. There you go. Mm-hmm. Can't turn back time. Not today, at least. Yeah. But you can definitely shame people publicly for making comments and then be shown the way of the light mm, you might come to the it's, it's like cinematography you know rj it's like sculpting with light some say Ugh. photography you know oh Jarrett. after the break we prepare to die for our country 
too late. for your country depends which country your country like which one denver mutual burrito whatever it's called big burrito. city burrito big i would city. die for i would die for big city burrito but maybe not like anything else you know i had some mutual burrito the other week not so special not so special at all well, yeah well that's they're different things though i know I'm, i know i'm just i'm just saying that i'm just gonna throw it out there but, but they're different things, Jared. Yes. <laughs> I, I will take your word for it, because I don't know if I'm mm. ever going to have the chance to eat Big City Burrito until you open up your franchise. Well, if you give me that capital, then I, I would open it tomorrow. Well, I mean, you're going to have to get a Patreon first. Uh, you can email us at criterioncreeps@gmail.com at gmail.com and tell us about how you live in the digital age. We've got a Facebook mm. page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared mm. Duncan. Yeah, He's we're on Barnloaf. Instagram. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, we're on YouTube. We got those uh, review-only episodes up there. We've got mm-hmm. a Patreon. Uh, our wallet is open and waiting for your money to fall into it. And hey, if you want to be a co-host like Frank, you, you're welcome to come join us. Just uh, hook up. Hook up. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, mm-hmm. Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Shuffle. all that jazz. Shuffle, sure, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, next week, Spine 149, Juliet of the Spirits from 1965, directed by, by, why, our good close personal friend, Federico Fellini. Uh, for real? I didn't uh, know he, it, uh, this was a Fellini movie. Oh, baby, I figured you didn't. <laughs> oh, that's a, oh, man. Uh, Not the fart. Yeah, he's back. He's the king. He's the king of the Criterion Collection. I even, I fucking, I looked this up because it's on uh, Canopy. And the tag, it says cinematographer Gianni de Vinansos. And I didn't even see Fellini's name anywhere. Uh, <laughs> Fellini. He's back. Uh, God. How long is this movie? Fucking like eight hours? I have no idea. 140 minutes? Get out of here. Not long enough. Not long enough. (laughs) I'm going to watch this at two times speed. Blow through this fucking thing. Faster than subtitle readability. Good. Uh, I speak Italian. I'm fine. You're fluent? Okay. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a good time next week. It's always good when Fellini's around. Mm. For, For who? For all of us. For listeners. For me and for you, it's like vegetables, RJ. You can't eat meat all the time. Uh, well, I mean, 
Like, I could. You can. But you shouldn't. Oh. Okay. Well, good night. Um, I'll see you later. Uh, yeah? Uh, yep. I was, like, trying to talk through a burp, but then at the same time, I was like... You know, you ever been there, man? Double good night. Uh, see you later.